our founding fathers, or to be politically correct, our founding parents, designed the Constitution to prevent the presidency from becoming another form of tyranny, an elected king. Well, did they succeed? You ask the question, sir. Let me answer it. The genius of the Constitution is that it can always be changed. The genius of the Constitution is that it makes no permanent rule other than its faith in the wisdom of ordinary people to govern themselves. Our founding parents were pompous, middle-aged white farmers, but they were also great men because they knew one thing that all great men should know, that they didn't know everything. They knew they were going to make mistakes, but they made sure to leave a way to correct them. They didn't think of themselves as leaders, they wanted a government of citizens, not royalty. A government of listeners, not lecturers. A government that could change, not stand still. The president isn't an elected king, no matter how many bombs he can drop, because the crude constitution doesn't trust him. He's a servant of the people. He's just a bum. And the only bliss that he's searching for is freedom and justice. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from a movie called With Honors. I think it uh, kind of a kind of need. Maybe I think everybody in Congress and Senate need to need to watch that movie again and remember what our government's about. The whole movie's not all about that, but there's a whole bunch of stuff in it about how the how the world works and uh, how the world works, how this country works, how it's founded. And uh, and how the Constitution was written, so it could be changed, so it could so it could live and breathe like our people do. So uh, and then I uh, used that song. Uh, you got that right from Leonard Skinnerd, in honor of Larry Junstrom, who uh, one of the founding uh, members, the bass player, who uh, died last Sunday, and uh, he also went on to uh, be a founding member of Thirty Eight Special in the eighties. But I had to pick uh, Leonard Skinner, 38 Special, Leonard Skinner, 38 Special. I had to pick a song. So uh, anyway, uh, that's where I got that stuff. And uh, Leonard Skinner uh, rocks on with their new band, with their new band members. But uh, anyway, let's let's go on. So uh, we're going to talk about all the stuff going on in this in this week in this in this country, and uh, kind of bleeds over to other countries as well. I'm going to talk to talk to you a little bit about what I think of it. Cause I don't know what you think of it unless you uh, call me or email me. So, uh, but anyway, let me before I do that, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities because the interest rates are about one and an eighth lower than they were a year ago. And so, if you if you uh, if you own real estate and you haven't considered refinancing it, might be a time to give me a call 855-640-2020. 855 
650-640-2020. One last time, day or night, 855-640-2020. Um, if you want to talk, but or if you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone, you can go to edhoffman.net, arrow down till you see the Summit Funding uh, logo, click on it, take you to my lending page. You can put as much information as you want and tell me how much information you want back. And uh, that way we don't have to talk until you find out that you're comfortable with the way I deal th deal with things. And uh, so you put in as much information and uh, we will call you back or we'll text you back or we'll email you back or we'll send smoke signals or we'll send a, we'll send a uh, paper to your, uh, to your house via FedEx or whatever you want. However you want done, you'll hear it from me or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If you hear something on the show you want repeated, you can go also go to edhoffman.net, go to the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well as several past shows and uh, listen to them on demand. You can also get this, the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where, I, uh, where you can actually subscribe for free, have them download to your to your computer or your iPhone or your iPad or your iWatch or your uh, mini pad or your maxi pad or whatever else uh, electronic downloads a uh, uh, podcast and you can listen to them whenever it's convenient. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman where I uh, tweet about current events all week long. And the Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Apparently we're not the only main event out there. All right. So let's talk about what's going on. Um, Republican presidents are always damned no matter the, I'll start that one over. Republican presidents are always damned if they do damned if they don't, when it comes to military foreign policy, that was the case this week when president announced we would be pulling our troops out of Syria to put a stop to endless senseless wars that are killing our brave men and women. Uh, the move was brought, has brought criticism from Democrats, obviously, cause they criticize anything he does. You know, if, if he, uh, if he starts, if he goes to war, He's a warmonger. If he's pulls people back, he's uh he's he's uh running away. Doesn't matter what he does. And I'm not sure which side of which side of the fence I'm on on this one. Uh, but even some Republicans who are concerned about the plight of the Kurds in Syria, who fought alongside our troops against ISIS in defense of their land, as they are now vulnerable to attacks from Turkey. One of the Republicans speaking out uh, this week was Senator Lindsey Graham. If I didn't see Donald Trump's name on the tweet, I thought it was. Uh Obama's rationale for getting out of Iraq. So here's what's going to happen. This is uh, going to lead to ISIS reemergence. Uh, nothing better for ISIS than to create a conflict between the Kurds and Turkey. The Kurds will now align with Assad because they have nobody to count on because we abandoned them. So this is a big win for Iran and Assad, a big win for ISIS. Yeah, well, I'm not really, I'm not really positive that uh, I don't agree with Lindsey Graham, and I'm not a positive I agree with uh, you know, I'm, I can go either, I can go either way on this one. I really, I'm really, I'm really torn a little bit and I'll, t and I'll talk about that more. Um, because if you heard, uh, if you heard Joey Jones, I don't remember if I heard him talk on, uh, on Fox or if it was a tweet or if we were talking on the phone and he, he mentioned that, Hey, you know what? Uh, president Trump, he was, he was talking about, uh, Jim Mattis, I think it was, I think it was on TV. I don't think this was a phone call. Um, he was talking about how Jim Mattis, the old, uh, secretary of defense and him didn't see eye to eye because Jim Mattis is a war, is a, is a, is a, a war animal and he's, he's a military guy and he wants to fight. And, uh, and Trump, 
uh, and coming from Joey Jones said, he here's a guy who's got a whole bunch of tools in his toolbox, and he wants to decide which ones. If he if he doesn't have to put uh, our military in harm's way, he can use uh, he can use financial uh, financial uh, um, strategies. He can put a uh, uh, economic sanctions on, and he can he can persuade people to do what we want because we're such a, a big economic power as well, not just the military power. Um, and as we go on, we actually got one, not one, but two, not two, but three words of the week from the media, maybe even five. Um, here's the first one. The president is abandoning the Kurds. And selling out the Kurds. We are now abandoning the Kurds. He's abandoning the Kurds. But abandoning our allies. And this president just abandons them. It's abandonment of Kurdish allies. If we're backing away from our commitment to the Kurds, where do they turn? You know, I think uh, I, I've talked about this many times, how I think Nancy Pelosi uh, gets all the Democrats together and says, OK, the word for today is um, critical, uh, critical, what, what do they call the thing with the the global the global warming thing? This is the critical crisis of our world a few weeks ago. And sometimes it's uh, gun control, sometimes it's sometimes whatever, whatever her word is. And then you hear every single person, any, every single politician steps up to the mic and every uh, pundit all using the same words because, you know, if you hear it over and over, then some people that are dumb enough to listen will actually start thinking it themselves. Indeed, Turkey has moved into the region uh, and begun attacks against the Kurds, both fighters and civilians. The president being hounded by the press about this all week has given several responses. Look, we have no soldiers in Syria. We've won. We beat ISIS, and we beat them badly and decisively. We have no soldiers. The last thing I want to do is bring thousands and thousands of soldiers in and defeat everybody again. We've already done that. So what we have is really two choices. You have the choice of bringing in the military and defeating everybody again, or you have the choice of financially doing some very strong things to Turkey so that they take it a little bit easy on really competition that is i don't think it's being fairly treated in many ways okay we have a very good relationship with kurds or we can mediate i hope we can mediate john i hope we can mediate and he's reminding he's reminding his critics the same people who called george w bush a warmonger for the war in iraq about the whole idea of, of protecting american lives first the hardest thing i have to do by far much harder than the witch hunt is signing letters to parents of soldiers that have been killed. I went to Walter Reed and I gave out five Purple Hearts to incredible uh, young men. For me, it's very hard when I see that. It's very hard. And, you know, I'll remind you that uh, when we talked about this uh, maybe a year or two ago, I have a, uh, one of our, uh, our investor representatives that came out to visit me at our office and he brought one of his operations people and we started talking politics just because everybody knows if they talk to talk to me that it gets to politics at some point. And uh, and uh, his uh, girl he brought with him, who I would have thought was probably of Hispanic origin, um, and she said that uh, apparently she's Egyptian, and she said that she was born here and her parents migrated here. Uh, they were they were from Egypt and they came here and and she said my dad said my dad's opinion is that the only way to beat all them is just to drop some nukes and wipe everybody out 
women, children, everybody, and start over because it's so ingrained in their in their uh, in their culture to kill infidels that you're never going to stop terrorism unless you just nuke the whole thing and start over. And uh, because they they train these kids as you know three years old, uh, hey, do you want to be a uh, do you want to be a terrorist or you want to be a uh, a martyr? And you know I saw a, an interview on. Uh, on uh on youtube or it might have been even on on the tv um where they they had these little kids and uh reporters saying hey do you want to be a martyr or you want to be a a terrorist i want to be a a terrorist i want to be a martyr i want to be you know do you want to die for the for the cause or do you want to be killing other people which which is it those are your choices when you grow up in that culture and uh so from that standpoint if we go in there and we kill the kill all of ISIS and we stop all the people who are fighting and the next ones just come up next, what sense does it make to leave our guys over there? So, and at the same time, you got a lot of guys who died who who may think they died in vain because if we're just giving up. So I'm I'm torn on that one. I'm torn on that one. Um, I see both I see both sides and I I guess for that reason I'm glad I'm not president. So anyway, continuing. Let's go. Let's sell the next chapter in the Ukraine saga this week. There's a few new players in the saga that led to the Democrats' impeachment inquiry of the president. And no matter how outraged they're pretending to be, the left is loving every minute of it. Time for the second word of the week, and this might be three words of the week. But let's let's hear their their uh, talking points on the impeachment. Another day, another smoking gun. It is definitely a smoking gun. Ukraine was a smoking gun. The bombshell text messages, what they revealed. Came out to defend the initial bombshell. This is shaping up, obviously, to be yet another political bombshell. An impeachable offense. What is the standard of an impeachable offense? Yeah. That is an impeachable offense. Well, is the, is the, is that, that word, what was the word of the week besides uh, our first one? Is it uh, smoking gun or was it bombshell or was it impeachable offense? I think it was all three of them. That we can add on to uh, that we can add on to abandoning. Okay, so that's uh, the other next words. So here's here's the latest impeachable offense text messages from Trump that Trump had nothing to do with between two people uh, you've never heard of before. The men are Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to European Union. The media wants you to uh, to know he's also a Trump donor, which is a real terrible thing. You know, you can't be uh, you can't be trusting people that are Trump donors, and uh, of course. We uh, we'll we'll talk more about about this later about the people that are. Uh, I heard uh, Thursday night that apparently they think that uh, that the the um, whistleblower, the anonymous whistleblower, uh, was a Biden person and uh, actually may have been on the plane on Air Force Two when Biden went to Ukraine three or four times, and uh, so may have been working for. Uh, for Vice President Biden when he was a vice president. And uh, no wonder he'd make something up when Trump is uh, looking into uh, into investigating things that happened with his son. So uh, the other the other person besides uh, 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 Gordon Sondland is Bill Taylor, the top U.S. diplomat to Ukraine. The two portions of their text that Democrats are focused on start on September 1st, where they discuss the idea of the White House withholding aid from Ukraine unless there was an agreement. To inv- unless there was an agreement to investigate Joe, Joe Biden. Based on the text, it appears Sondland attempted to take the discussion offline. Bill Taylor ta- uh, texts, uh, are, you, are we now saying that security assistance and the White House meeting are conditioned on investigation? And Gordon Sondland texts, 
uh, call me. And it appears they did talk on the phone. Based on this exchange, eight days later, Bill Taylor says, um, as I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. And Gordon says, Bill, I believe you're incorrect about President Trump's intentions. The president has been crystal clear. No quid pro quo of any kind. The president is trying to evaluate whether Ukraine is truly going to adopt, and it, go, and it goes on, but it, uh, I think when I saw it before, whether they're going to adopt measures to fight corruption. And, uh, but I don't have it here on this paper. So, uh, but the, the bottom line is, bottom line is, is that um, quid pro quo. Does everybody know what quid pro quo is? It means, hey, you do, you do a favor for me, I do a favor for you. And uh, and there seems to have been a lot of that coming from the swamp in Washington D.C. over the last few years, as as we've seen with uh, Biden, with uh, Hillary Clinton. There's a whole bunch of that stuff out there. Hey, you know what? If if uh, um, if you do this, I'll do that. If you give uh, if we'll go ahead and sell you uranium to Russia as long as uh, you have this place uh, make donations to the Clinton. Uh, Clinton Foundation because it's charity for all the good things we do, and of course that's just being funneled through uh, through a consulting firm to Bill Clinton, and uh, you know Biden Biden and his hey you know uh, uh, we'll go ahead and give you this 1.6 billion dollars in aid in exchange for uh, giving my son an 83 thousand dollar a month job, and uh, who knows what they gave up in China because they walked away from the Chinese government. One and a half billion dollars over to uh, into uh, um, Hunter Biden's account. So, what kind of quid pro quo is that? So, naturally, Shifty Adam Schiff was all over the all over this and subpoenaed Gordon Sondland to ta- testify on Capitol Hill. Gordon is the one who's uh, uh, who was the the ambassador to Ukraine. So, uh, hours before Sondland was set to appear on Tuesday, White House Counsel Pat Cipollone. Um, sent a letter addressed to Nancy Pelosi, Elliot Engel, Adam Schiff, and Elijah Cummings, all the committee chairs who are part of the witch hunt. Uh, the letter laid out these facts. The investigation violates fundamental fairness and constitutional mandated due process. Democrats launched this impeachment inquiry to overturn the results of 2016 election and deprive the American people of the present they have freely chosen. And Adam Schiff, misled the American people by lying about his prior involvement with the whistleblower and reciting a fabricated version of Trump's phone call with Zelensky. The letter concludes, For these reasons, President Trump and his administration reject your baseless, unconstitutional efforts to overturn the democratic process. Your unprecedented actions have left the president with no choice. In order to fulfill his duties to the American people, the Constitution, the executive branch, and all future occupants of the office of the presidency, President Trump and his administration cannot participate in your partisan and unconstitutional inquiry under these circumstances. Cue to the next word of the week, Stonewall. The Trump administration announcing a total Stonewall strategy to openly defy Congress and its constitutionally granted power to investigate the president. So uh, the president can Stonewall, but it's not going to change the outcome. House Democrats warn White House Stonewalling won't make their inquiry go away. The more they try to Stonewall and, and, and obstruct the investigation, the deeper they'll get into the quicksand. Doubling down on its strategy, and that strategy is to Stonewall. Yeah, Stonewall, Don Lemon, you know, just how he starts off to it's and that strategy is to Stonewall. He's so romantic when he says that. So uh 
that's all that's all what it's all about stonewalling just hey let's you know what they keep repeating this stuff over and over and over and the people that don't pay attention the people that aren't really engaged they go what's this all about i turn on i have some someone in my some people in my office that they mentioned well i finally looked at the the news for the first time this week and uh i heard him talking about president stonewalling or something you know what the uninformed are the misinformed and uh this is the reason that i talk about this stuff because you guys need to be talking to it to your neighbors and your family members and your relatives and your friends and your co-workers because the ones that aren't paying attention are buying this bs and of course the predictable adam schiff response to all this the failure to produce this witness the failure to produce these documents um, we consider yet additional strong evidence of obstruction of the constitutional functions of Congress. And uh, now keep in mind, the White House didn't try to block anyone from testifying last week, which is why Kurt Volker, the special envoy to the ambassador of Ukraine, testified behind closed doors. So Schiff and the Democrats could see his text messages. Volker is yet another name of that none of us knew before this, um, but he was he was named in the whistleblower complaint as someone who provided advice to Ukraine on how to navigate Trump's request about Biden's. Hmm. All right, that whistleblower person that we don't know who she, who he or she is. But some Republicans were also in the room when Volker testified, and they aren't staying quiet. Here's Mark Meadows, Lee Zeldin, and Jim Jordan. When you have a press release being drafted by our Democrat colleagues cherry-picking text messages, when the full text of Ambassador Volker's uh, testimony last week would have exonerated this president, let's release it. We sound like we're pissed as we stand here. It's because we are. The American people are getting screwed by an enraged liberal activist base demanding impeachment. They don't even care what the crime is. It's based on the unfair and partisan process that Mr. Schiff has been running. You think about what the Democrats are trying to do. Impeach the president of the United States 13 months prior to an election based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who has a bias against the president. Yeah, especially when we see when we've seen the transcripts, we've seen the transcripts of the whole conversation and they're still going on and on saying, well, you know, he's he's pressuring the the Ukrainian president to uh, investigate his his political foe um, in exchange for the support. Um, I didn't hear it in the in the transcripts, nor did anybody else except for the except for the Democrats and. President uh, Zelensky of Ukraine uh, was at the UN a couple weeks ago, and he said he there was no pressure, and and there was you know he was he was doing what he's doing, and it's there was no pressure. He's happy to to get down to the bottom of corruption, and uh, but they don't care, you know. Uh, con- the Constitution allows leaves Congress the power to impeach, um, but that's Congress. That's not any particular congressman. You had to have a, a vote of the a vote of the uh, of the House of Representatives and the Senate to impeach a president, and to start it, the House of Representatives, you have to have a vote, and uh, it's not just because a particular or two or three particular or six or twelve particular uh, out of four hundred thirty-five uh, Congress people decide, hey, let's go after Trump and get him. We have to impeach him before the election, or else we're screwed because we're going to lose. So. Uh, that's where that's where people get off course. the The Constitution says the Congress, not 
a congressman. But as always, the plainest truth about the witch hunt came from the mouth of the president. This is a scam by the Democrats to try and win an election that they're not going to win in 2020. All you have to do is take a look at the polls. The people understand it's a scam. We won on the Mueller scam. That was a whole big deal that lasted for two and a half years. We had a few days of peace, and then all of a sudden they came up with this one. But I guess it's just part of my life. Yeah, I feel bad for the president because he's had to put up with this BS. And uh, but I but I'm glad that he's just accepted. It's part of his life. He's going to have to to deal with it because he's got a job to do and then getting it done is what he's doing. Anyway, I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for uh, five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials and sports. And I'll be back with you and we'll talk about the other half of what happened this week. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I opened up the second half with that song, The White Room, from Cream, the same day that uh, Leonard Skinner lost their uh, original bassist. Cream lost their founding uh, their their founding member, the drummer, Ginger Baker. And, uh, you know, it's hard to pick these songs when you have so many so many rockers die on the same in the same week so you guys just slow down take your vet your vitamins and your uh your geritol and your uh your centrum silvers and stay healthy so we keep you around a little bit longer because we still got some rocking to do so uh anyway so in the first half we've been talking about uh oh i forgot to say i don't talk much about financing and uh and real estate on the on the show because i think you guys think it's boring but Interest rates are low, low, low. If you haven't, if you're, if you own property and you haven't considered refinancing, or if you would like to own property and would like to qualify more for more than what you did a year ago, interest rates are down. That means uh, you get more house for the same amount of money. Whether you want to do a uh, a purchase or a refinance, buy a, a house to live in, a investment property, or a uh, vacation home. Also, also. Uh, reverse mortgages for those of you that are over 62 as the interest rates go down the amount of money you get on your house um, is more so if you uh, if you're over 62 and you haven't inquired about a reverse mortgage call me 855-640-2020 or go to uh, edhoffman.net click on the summit funding logo you got to arrow down a little bit and that'll take you to the lending page we can we can cyber each other instead of talking until you until uh, it's time to talk so in the first half, we left off talking about uh, Kurt Volker, who was a special envoy to the ambassador of Ukraine, uh, him testifying in front of uh, Schiff and the uh, and his committee. Um, but Volker, Taylor, and we talked about Bill Taylor and Gordon Sondland uh, and their little tweets in between them. But they weren't the only ones that are getting drugged into this mess. We have even more new names to learn because Democrats want to punish everyone who has anything to do with Trump and Ukraine except for if it had to do with Ukraine and the Democrats, which we'll talk about more. Rudy Giuliani, who Democrats loved as mayor of New York, but hate as the president's attorney, is under fire for something new every week. 
We've uh, but we've officially crossed over into the dark territory as the deep state decides to punish two men who who you've never heard of uh, because of their ties to Giuliani. Lev Parnas and Igor Igor Furman, Fruman, Ukrainian-born businessmen who reside in Florida, helped introduce Giuliani to political figures in Ukraine because they shared the White House's interest in exposing the corruption involving the Bidens. So our deep state government arrested them Thursday for what else? Campaign finance charges for donating over the limit to some congressional campaigns. Does that sound familiar? Like Dinesh D'Souza, who uh, had to serve... Uh, serve a time in in jail nights and weekends for i don't know a few months uh for uh, donating an extra ten thousand dollars to some friend of his that was running for congress and he gave some money to one of his friends to hear ten thousand is the most i can donate you have the i'll give you ten thousand you donate it and if you want one more name to learn there's a former u.s ambassador to ukraine involved uh because parnas and fruman wanted the white house to fire her which, uh, which they did. Here's Fox's Catherine Herridge. The president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, told Fox News today that he enlisted the help of Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman to connect with the former Ukrainian prosecutor who investigated the natural gas firm where Joe Biden's son sat on the board. Arrested last night at Dulles International Airport, the newly unsealed federal indictment alleges Parnas and Fruman, along with two others, violated campaign finance law by engaging in a scheme to consider the source or exceed the limit on political contributions. The indictment further alleges that a lawmaker identified as Congressman One got substantial campaign contributions and in return pushed for the removal of then U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch. They saw political influence not only to advance their own financial interests, but to advance the political interests of at least one foreign official, a Ukrainian government official who sought the dismissal of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. So while the Democrats are focused on this, Giuliani reminds us what started in the first, what started all this in the first place. Here's a hint: it's not Trump. I learned as a prosecutor. I was taught this: follow the money, and all the money is going to the Bidens. That's where the millions of dollars are going. Yeah. So uh, what's amazing is when you hear uh, when you hear Biden respond to these things. You know, it's. You know, what are we what are we looking at here? Now, who did what? It's Trump had a conversation and mentioned something. Hey, you know what? I hear all this stuff that Biden is saying in front of the cameras and I hear all this stuff going on. You know, can you look into it and tell us what really happened? And guess what? We have yet another person who was lucky enough to be born to a famous Democrat parent uh, so he could get one of the fi- the lucrative Ukraine Ukrainian gigs. Let's see. We have Hunter Biden. Joe Biden's son, we have John Kerry's stepson, and now we have Paul Pelosi, son of Nancy. That's right, Burisma isn't the only Ukrainian gas company that likes privileged adult children of powerful Democrats. Paul Pelosi Jr. was on the board of Viscoil and NRG Lab, clean energy companies with lots of business in Ukraine. No wonder everybody's up in arms about this stuff in Ukraine, because if we uh, if we open up the if we open up the book. On Biden, it's going to open up it on Kerry and open it up on Pelosi. Except for Kerry's guy was smart enough to uh, to get out of it as soon as uh, as soon as uh, uh, Biden signed on to be a board member with Burisma. But uh, so all these people got lots of business out of Ukraine. He's got he's even got uh, mommy to appear in a promo video in 2010. The best way to predict the future is to create it yourself. When President Obama became president of the United States, 
He elevated science to a higher place in our national priorities. It is science, 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 and science. Breaking our crippling addiction to oil, they are developing desirable, efficient cars that get more than 100 miles per gallon. My son Paul, who is here with me, tells me that that is par for the course and not to be uh, overwhelmed by that prospect that will be considered the normal. Yeah, then uh, Paul Pelosi comes on that commercial and he talks like a uh, the liberal tree hugger he is. And uh, just amazing. Hey, everybody's tied to this stuff and you don't, you can't get rid of videos. Well, that was a commercial from nine years ago. We don't have to worry about that. That'll never pop up. Nothing goes away anymore, folks. It's hard to, it's better to just tell the truth. Cause if you always tell the truth, you don't have to have that good of a memory of what might be popping up behind you. As for Biden, his response to reporters, when they ask about uh, what he and his son did in Ukraine. Here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader? You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. It's not a conflict of interest. There's been no indication of any conflict of interest from Ukraine or anywhere else, period. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna respond to that. Let's focus on the problem. Focus on this man, what he's doing that no president has ever done. Yeah, let's focus on the vice president who's done stuff that we don't know how many other vice presidents have done it. I think this is probably an ongoing thing. It's why how uh, Congress people and senators go into uh, office with uh, a meager, a meager, modest financial pay, financial network or financial uh, uh, net worth, and they come out billionaires and millionaires and. I didn't think it was, you know, I think uh, Obama, well, well, Hillary Clinton says, well, when we got out of the White House, we were in the hole. We were dead broke. They're not dead broke now. And Obama went in with uh, basically no net worth, and apparently he's uh, worth um, several hundred million now. How did that happen? He only got $400,000 a year for being president. Even if he saved it all for eight years, that's only three point two million. He's got like one hundred and forty million or something, some ridiculous amount. I don't know. Just seems fishy to me. Seems very fishy to me. And then there's uh, Trump's response to Biden's response. When he sees what's happening to him, I guess he's no longer the front runner. But uh, look, I feel badly for him because I know uh, he's going through a lot. He's been hit and he's been caught red-handed. He didn't. It's, I don't think being caught red-handed is really the right word when you, uh, when he just goes on TV and just tells a story like he's bragging about it. Well, you know, uh, I just went in there and said, "Hey, you're not getting this 1.6 billion unless I see this prosecutor uh, fired, and we're gone out of here in six hours." Well, son of a bee. Six hours later, he was. They fired him. What do you know about that? I just was such a great negotiator. I got him fired. Such a proud, such a proud accomplishment. So anyway, uh, follow the money, follow the money. It's not hard, you know. They're all the Democrats are pointing their fingers at Trump, and everybody's ignoring what what Biden did, and they're probably ignoring what what uh, Pelosi did with her son, and what John Kerry did with his son. Although his son had didn't want anything to do with it once it got 
got sticky and how many other congressmen's kids are in there collecting money that they're funneling back to their parents um it's just it's just nasty that's why we sent trump to uh, the white house because we want him to get rid of this get rid of all this corruption that's what drain the swamp means so anyway uh let's talk about the democratic people uh, that are running for president the democratic bozos that are running for president specifically elizabeth warren you didn't build that you didn't build that uh we're gonna have to break up companies and make and make it more fair because that's how capitalism works wrong that's how uh, communism works um elizabeth warren is now officially the front runner in the democrat democrat primary surging ahead of biden for at least by at least three points according to uh, every major poll although i don't think the national polls are where are how you win a win a uh, election i think the national polls are just how they gauge what people think about it when it comes down to it it's electoral college that's how how they how they stand uh state by state and of course when it gets to the state by state you know iowa does their their uh, primary whether they do a caucus first and then it goes to new hampshire and then it goes to uh i think florida and four or five or six other states and uh but pretty much everybody watches what happens in uh, in iowa and then they uh, adjust what they think what they think is this hey i was gonna vote for this person but they got nowhere they got ninth place in the in iowa so i guess i'm gonna go to one of the people who have a chance of winning so none of the polling really matters at this point tells you what the what the media wants you to hear so but anyway in every major poll uh, uh national poll uh, Elizabeth Warren is surging a little bit. So it didn't come as a surprise when someone, maybe Biden's campaign, maybe not, unearthed a 12-year-old video that proves one of Warren's favorite stories to tell on the campaign trail is a lie. Maybe not as big as the I'm a Cherokee lie, but nonetheless. Remember this claim that she was fired for her first teaching job for being visibly pregnant? My first teaching position was as a special needs teacher. By the end of the first school year, I was quite visibly pregnant. And the principal did what principals did in those days. Wished me luck and hired someone else for the job. Yep, that's what people will say. You know, I, I think back to my own experience as I uh, as I wound down Wholesale Capital and merged in with... Uh, and uh, became part of uh, Summit Funding. And uh, one of the many, many people I laid off in the process of making the financial uh, decisions that uh, to, to keep being viable viable in the economy as a mortgage, mortgage business uh, changed, one of my, uh, one of my uh, employees happened to have been pregnant. And the day, the day she was laid off, she asked for her copy of her employee file. And the next day, was the first day I got a letter from their attorney saying that I laid her off for being pregnant. I laid her off for being pregnant? What about all the other people? What did I lay them off for the same day? So, uh, you know, it's just it's just BS that people bring this up. Uh, Elizabeth Warren reminds me just about that one person that uh, that did pulled the same thing on me. Uh, well, but that's not what Liz said in 2007. When she was interviewed for a higher education TV show, this is what she said. I actually didn't have the education courses, so I was on an emergency certificate, it was mm -hmm. called. And I went back to graduate school and took a couple of courses in education and said, I don't think this is going to work out for me. I had a baby uh, and stayed home for a couple of years. And I was really casting about, thinking, what am I going to do? 
know, and I wonder who has to listen to this stuff. So whether it was uh, Biden's people or uh, or anybody else's people that are searching this, they have to go through a lot of YouTube videos. They have to go through a lot of of uh, archives of speeches to find to just find the one part where Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren contradicted herself. And of course, they do that to everybody because they're finding all these things that happened in the past. Um, I just don't know. It's 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 just coincidence, I guess, that they happen to find this stuff. Somehow, she's still managing to spin this as if she's deciding, as if deciding uh, not to go back to work after having a baby is the same thing as getting fired for being pregnant. Look, I, it doesn't matter much what the term is. The job that was mine, that I'd been hired for for the next year was taken away when they knew I was pregnant. Just to be clear, because I want to make sure I have this down, mm -hmm. they were not incorrect, though, to say that you were fired. Yeah, I I don't know what else you'd call it. Uh, well, I know, I know what they called it. I know what she called it in 2007, and it wasn't... Uh wasn't uh qualified that's what it called it was i didn't have the, the education courses to be qualified so uh but that's not the only thing in liz warren is hiding uh, as it turns out the real elizabeth warren at least someone until the mid 1990s was actually a republican from politico politico wrote this warren used to be on the other side of the fight now she, that she is now waging for many years before she entered politics the woman now at the forefront of the progressive wing of the democratic party was a republican Records from time to time, uh, or records from the time Warren spent living in Pennsylvania and Massachusetts, make clear that she was a registered Republican for at least several years after her mid-career adult life. It was not until 1996, when it, when uh, Warren was 47 and a newly minted Harvard law professor, that she changed her registration from Republican to Democrat. Um, I guess uh, she had to because she was lying about being a. Cherokee in order to get her job and when you're trying to when you're trying to uh, do that kind of stuff the Republicans don't want you anymore uh, she does not talk about her Republican past in either of her books at, or as a part of the biography she recounts in her stump speech when asked Warren has said she wasn't really political or didn't think about politics much before then but Katrina Harry one of her best friends growing up in Oklahoma remembers that she and Warren talk politics a lot and Liz was a diehard conservative in those days. Rutgers law professor Gary Francioni, uh, who was a colleague of Warren's at the University of Pennsylvania in the 80s, said this, The first time I became aware of her as a political person and I heard her speak, I almost fell off my chair. She's definitely changed. It's absolutely clear that something happened. Or could it be Hillary who's planting these stories in the media? After all, she keeps teasing us with lines like this. He tweeted just this morning, and I'm going to quote. He said, I think that crooked Hillary Clinton should try to enter the race to try and steal it away from uber-left Elizabeth Warren. It truly is remarkable how obsessed he remains with me. So maybe there does need to be a rematch. I mean, obviously, I can beat him again. Yeah, you beat him the first time there, uh, Hillary. Um, if it wasn't for the idiots in California and the idiots in New York, you're not even close. So, uh, but you know what? Well, you know, if the if the job, you know, we we uh, I went to a uh, conference in uh, in uh, San Diego this week for for branch managers at Summit Funding. We had uh, 55 guys there, and we and on uh, the second day we did a, a sailboat sailboat regatta. We had a race. In sailboats, and there was five of us in each in each uh, 
in each uh, sailboat. And we're we're doing what the captain tells us to do. We're we're turning the crank this way. We're turning the crank that way. We're pulling the ropes. We're doing all this stuff and uh, trying to win because uh, we just wanted to win. Doesn't matter if we got any money for it or not. We just wanted to win. And uh, we get off the boat, and I knew that we were about fourth. Looked like we were about fourth because I was just watching who who got there before we did, and uh, out of eleven. And uh, one of the guys in there goes, "Oh yeah, we won, we won." I said, "We're on the winning, we were on the winning boat." And I'm going, "Okay, well, good, congratulations, congratulations." And then they start giving out awards, and uh, they called up the uh, the first boat, and he wasn't on it. Well, I thought we won. Well, we were the first of all the small boats because there were like 32 footers and 34 footers, and and there was a you know there was a little bit of a of a handicapping for the smaller boats that don't go as fast as the bigger boats, and uh, and then they called up second place and they weren't in there either, and they called up third place and they weren't there either. So I was wondering because I knew who was fourth place. It was us just because I counted as we went across the went across the finish line. There weren't that many that we couldn't count, but this guy happened to say, "Hey, I was the I was the first of the small boats." So I guess if Hillary Clinton says, "Hey, I could beat him again. I beat him once. I could beat him again." Uh, Hillary, how come you're not in the White House if you beat him the first time? I don't know those pesky rules. Those pesky rules about who wins the electoral college. And I think you guys should know that cuz you spent 8 years in the White House as the first lady and uh as well as the however many years they were in the governor's mansion in Arkansas and uh she's a she is a uh, seasoned political operative she should know the difference so uh anyway this these are the uh these are the fantasies that are the democratic party and, and what they say so uh, i got a couple minutes left let me talk about let me talk about a product that i that i am having people call me about and say hey we're thinking about doing this we're thinking about doing that i say hey, you know i had had a guy call up and say, I only owe $100,000 on my house, and I'm thinking about getting uh, like uh, $50,000 out in refinancing. And uh, what's your house worth? Well, it's worth about $512,000. And uh, okay, so uh, uh, how old are you? Well, I'm 60. I think he said he's 68, and his wife was 70. And uh, I said, well, have you talked? To, have you thought about a reverse mortgage? I go, I, I don't know. if uh, Would that work? And I said, well, he goes, I really don't know that much about it. And uh, so there's a lot of people probably not calling because they've just heard some weird things about reverses. And I know a lot of you guys are in this uh, age bracket. So let me just give you a little clue about these things. Reverse mortgages are just like every other mortgage out there. It's a lien against your property and you pay interest on it as it goes up. The only And you get a statement every month. And if you want to make a payment, you can. The only difference is, is you don't have to. And I've had some people call on my commercial because they say the only difference between what you'll leave your kids and uh, on a regular mortgage and on a reverse mortgage is anything you want or anything you need uh, between now and the time you leave this earth. And what I mean by that is, while you're not making those payments because you don't have to, the, va- the, the balance on your mortgage is in fact going up. So your equity, if you, if you ignore the fact that your house is still appreciating, um, if it if the equity go if the balance goes up faster than your equity goes up yeah you're losing but remember all those all those payments that you're not making unless you want or need something that you didn't have the money for before you stick those money in the bank and if we get you out of a if we get you out of a $2000 a month house payment principal and interest 
Um, in five years, you got 60 payments. That's uh, 60 times two. That's 120,000. So, uh, and if in, in 10 years, it's uh, 240,000. That's at zero, zero interest. So you can see what you're going to leave your kids. You're going to leave them equity in your property. Plus you're going to leave them equity in your bank account. And you know, when you die, it's, who cares where the, where the money comes from, they still get it and it's going to your family. And when you die, your, your kids have a whole year to either decide if they're going to take your money and pay it off or take their money and pay it off or refinance it and keep it. Or if they just want to sell it and keep the equity, keep the equity. And, uh, when I, when I pass away, my kids can decide what they want to do and it's not going to bother me one little bit. So anyway, Hey, I'm all out of town. If you, if you want more information, call me at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on summit funding logo and uh, we'll get you some information. I'm all out of time for this week. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I will be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1016658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Housing Opportunity. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event. Heard weekends here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer.